The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. It is Tout Wars weekend, and I'm here with Chris Crawford today on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We are sponsored by Fantrax, the most customizable free commissioner service in fantasy sports, and Underdog Fantasy, home of the biggest best ball contest in the industry. I'm Clay Link here with Chris Crawford, filling in for Todd Zola today. Chris, really appreciate you taking some time. I am in New York in this in a small hotel room recording this right now. Awesome. It's good to Jealous. be here. You may hear the some noise of just the city uh, as we record, but uh, it's very cool. Yeah. Great to do a pod for the first time ever with you, Chris. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Uh, I hope that Rotowire folks aren't going to be too sick of my voice. This will be, uh, this is the second of four straight that'll be on for this week. So, but this has uh, been a blast and I really appreciate you having me on, my friend. Yeah, thanks for, well, not only that, but just, you know, coming aboard and welcome to the team. Thank you so much. Yeah, publicly, I've been able to. I've done that yet. That, that I, I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute blast. These guys are the absolute best. It's been great to have a few folks like Ryan Boyer and Drew Silva join us as well. That I've worked for for a very long time, and uh, yeah, I'm just thrilled and can't wait to be here for a very long time. Absolutely, we're thrilled to have you. You guys are kind of coming in like the New World Order, like <laughs> yeah. hostile takeover. No, I'm kidding. No, not at all. Not we're at all. We're thrilled Man. to have you. And, uh, yeah. Drew Silva, Ryan Boyer, you guys are all doing great work on breaking news and podcasts, and we're all pumped, man. And uh, appreciate it. We'll start today with a bit of bad news, though, in the in the baseball world. Big news of the week, Edwin Diaz went down celebrating that WBC win. Just brutal for MLB, WBC, and, of course, the player. Um, underwent surgery to repair his right patella tendon out for the season. So, you know, this is why you ideally draft late in draft season if you can. Um, it's a bummer, certainly. But do you think it's Daniel Robertson closing there in the, for the Mets? This is a tough situation because, Robinson, yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, they, Danny Robinson might get some save opportunities if he's <laughs> if necessary, but I think he's got to be the favorite right now. I can imagine that they maybe go closer by committee here. It's it's not a great situation. I also imagine after how much money they invested in this team, 
that they are going to be scouring the trade market for somebody. I can't help but think like someone like David Bednar or something like that makes an awful lot of sense here. But I suppose if I'm drafting a reliever here, I'm probably going with Robertson. All in all, though, it's probably a situation I'm staying away from. Unfortunately, I am not one of those people who drafted early and took Edwin Diaz as not only my first closer off the board, he was the first pitcher I took off the board in my the league I value the absolute most, oh. and that stinks. But, um, you know, hopefully I can get a, a share of Robertson at some point later in the draft because I'm not attacking him by any means. But if you were somebody who's playing really hoping for those save opportunities, I think Robertson has to be that guy. But I would definitely be looking at other options over those guys for sure. So you're not going to be one of those guys jumping Robertson up your board. No. I respect that. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's the stuff is there for him to be a solid closer. And there's no doubt about the fact that the Mets are going to be really good. So there's going to be save opportunities there. But until I hear Buck Walter say David Robertson is our closer, it's probably a situation that I'm going to stay away from. It's, um, but what a bummer because Edwin Diaz is such a fun pitcher to watch and mm. something that could have happened. You know, a lot of people want to hate on the WBC. This could have happened in any type of situation. Goodness knows we've seen plenty of injuries in exhibition games this season, but such a bummer. I'll ask you this too, Clay. Is he still going to be your number one reliever uh, at the start of next season or close to that? Or how much worry do you have from something where you're going to miss an entire season? Yeah, that's tough. It's hard to think about what the closer board will look like this time next year. I That's a good point. You know, if he's in spring, if he's made a couple spring appearances, I'll probably have him up there. But yeah, it is hard to just put a guy right back at top of the board at that position when he's missed an entire year. So yeah, uh, that's really hard to tell. Of course, they do have Adam Adovino there, but Adovino's command and control can waver. Sure. And I, I wouldn't really be interested in drafting him. And I'm with you. Like, until we get an official word that it is Robertson, I'm probably not going to be the one getting super aggressive in, in drafts to come. But uh, if it makes, if it eases your pain at all, having Diaz, I drafted him in TGFBI with my third round pick. So, yeah. You live and you learn. I was so anti like early closers a few years ago. Now I'm uh, not only buying in, but I'm getting burned by them. So it's it's such a it's such a brutal thing to do because you do you love those early drafts in some regards because it's so much fun to do the drafting. Let's be honest, it's one of the funnest things to do in the sport. But then it's you can't help but think. Gosh, I wish we would have waited a couple of weeks to do this, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, that's a that's a really tough situation. And again, like that that team should be really good. So whoever is actually getting save opportunities is more than fantasy relevant. But there's just a lot of volatility here. I could also see guys like like Bryce Montes de Oka is a guy who I've really liked his stuff. And I could see him being an option in the late innings for those guys when he's healthy as well. You know, there's just too many options. And again, because the Mets invested so much in that team, I cannot help but think that Steve Cohen is telling dudes, we got to make a deal for a legitimate closer and we got to do it right now. Yeah, I think that's really smart to point out because I've kind of heard or at least seen some tweets that maybe they will explore options outside the organization sure. uh, to help bolster that bullpen there in New York. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, Chris, 
took uh, on-field BP this morning for the first time this spring. So that's a big step forward. He's been dealing with that hand issue. Well, he's got old man knees and old man hands for some reason. I don't really understand <laughs> why. But um, I, I lowered him in my rankings. I have Jordan Alvarez currently 16th overall. Where do you fall right now on Jordan now that he seems to be trending back in the right direction? I think that's about right. I would have him somewhere between like 14 and 18. The offensive potential is through the roof. I mean, I just look at his – every time I need to feel better about something, I look at Jordan Alvarez's baseball savant page just to see the 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100. Yeah, it's like going on a vacation on a really hot <laughs> – Yeah. Yeah, beaming exactly. down. Yeah, exactly. That is that is great for uh, baseball savant, not great for the five-day weather forecast. Um <laughs> It's the thing with Alvarez is, is that there is kind of a little bit of an injury history here. And the fact that he is just a four category player, like anything you get from him in stolen bases is the benefit of benefits. And, you know, you have to weigh that together. There's no doubt about the fact that he's going to, if he's healthy, help you help you in average home runs RBI because that Houston lineup is so good, but you're not going to get anything in that fifth category. So, I got to put a few outfielders ahead of him. It's kind of interesting to me. Like, who are some guys that, like, you bumped ahead of Jordan Alvarez because of the injury situation? Well, Bo Bichette is one. Nice. Um, I also took – I bumped Austin Riley ahead of him. So, oh, I Riley is like a – yeah, a one-two turn type of guy in a 15. Nice, um, yeah. I would take, like, bets over him and, mm-hmm. like, Machado even, too. Yeah, that, and that's, you know, all of those guys really, except for Riley, have a chance to help in that stolen base category. And I think at least that's a bit. Um, yeah. yeah, at least a little bit for sure. So, you know, it, it'll be really interesting to me. Bichette, to me, is being so undervalued right now as a guy who can steal bases and I think will run more, especially with the new rules. And he's talked to, I said all the right things. Of course, we've heard people say all the right things about stolen bases before, and it ends up being nothing. I'm looking at you, Wander Franco. Um, But uh, yeah, I think Alvarez is a guy that I'd be looking at in that turn spot. And, you know, if somebody wants to go higher than that and go draft him in 10th or 9th or whatever, I get it. And there's no doubt about it that that person could be richly rewarded but you also have the risk of the fact that he might be limited to 115 to 120 games. If only because I think the Astros really want to make sure this dude is healthy for the postseason run, which whether you like it or not is assuredly happening. Yeah. I finally come around on Bichette. Um, of course I like the player and love the skills, right. but just come around on him as a first rounder this year, late first round. I don't have him quite as high as Todd Zola. I think Zola has him like sixth overall. Oh, wow. Uh, but I have come around to Bichette as a real nice, you know, late first round pick if you can if you can make it work. Uh, Clark Schmidt, Chris, absolutely dominate yesterday against the Pirates. So take take that with a little <laughs> bit of a grain of salt. But five perfect innings, seven Ks, and uh, there's an opening there in that rotation in New York. Do you think Clark Schmidt seizes a opening day rotation spot with the Yankees? I think at this point, it's definitely his to lose. He's he's a pretty interesting arm to me. It's worth pointing out that this guy was drafted, I believe, 16th overall in 2017 out of South Carolina. And he was drafted after having Tommy John surgery. 
his stuff is unquestionable. And he's really a guy who relies on that slider, which is, you know, as we all know, become the pitch of pitches that everybody loves to throw right now. But he's got a good fastball. If you look at his numbers last year, they weren't great, but like, his expected batting average was well above average. His expected slugging was well above average. His whiff rate was well above average. Again, the good fastball. He gets spin on both of his pitches, which obviously is going to be key. You know, against left-handed pitchers, it's very important to have that movement, especially in Yankee Stadium where there is that short porch. You know, does he have command issues at times? You bet. And that's going to be something that you have to be cognizant of for sure if you're playing in a league where you're looking at whip as a big stat for you. Uh, we'll have to avoid uh, the barrels more. 12% a tile is not what you're looking for in the barrel rate. But all the stuff here is for him to be a competent starter. The Yankees should be a very good team, despite the fact that, fortunately, I think we're getting an injury update to write about on Rockwire for the Yankees like every 45 minutes. It, yeah, at no, least it seems that way. But there's no doubt that Clark Schmidt has the stuff to succeed. And at this point, I think he's – Lock may be too strong of a word for the rotation, but a strong favorite for sure. Yeah, I, you know, I do worry about the walks we saw a little bit last year, but doesn't doesn't seem like he has like poor control at all. Just they were a little high last year. Yeah, a pretty good track record of command and control throughout his uh, professional career. So, yeah, he's a guy that in the Tout Wars head to head, which favors pitching so heavily, really pushes pitching up. I'm going to be looking at Clark Schmidt. As a maybe one dollar guy in a twelve team mixer, maybe yeah, I'll get, maybe I'll get bid up on him for a buck. Like yeah, you know, I like that's... to throw out to see what it, what it will cost me. I was just going to say that makes a ton of sense in a, a salary cap league to be make that the guy the one dollar bid and see how aggressive people really want to be. And I I know some people don't love people that it could. What's your strategy on that? Like, is do you think that's uncouth, or do you think putting out those dollar guys to see if people are going to overpay is a perfectly fine strategy? I'm curious, uh, from a true fantasy expert, uh, what your thoughts are on that. Well, I, I don't know about that, but it's, you know, <laughs> look, I don't think it's, like, you know, poor form or anything. I do think, though, it's kind of like you don't want to do that too much or else – you may be overspending too early on. I right. think you want to, you know, maybe do that for one or two guys, but I think generally you want to wait and kind of play your cards right and play them close to the vest and save those $1 guys to the end. Sure. If you get bid up at the end, you get bid up, but I think you're more likely to get bid up if you throw them early. That makes sense. That does make sense. But yeah, I think Schmidt makes a ton of sense in the, those type of leagues, especially just because, mm -hmm. He's going to have that early shot and, you know, like even with like Nestor Cortez coming back, it looks like it should be just fine. I think the Yankees are going to be, want to be careful with some of their arms. And I think that gives Clark Schmidt a really good opportunity to earn this spot. Do I worry that he could be moved from that rotation spot at the slightest sign of struggle or complete hell for that Yankee rotation? Of course. And that would be the reason why I'm not, overdrafting Clark Schmidt, but there's easy path to fantasy relevance, especially in AL only leagues or deeper formats where you can get him for a dollar or the late rounds. Yeah. I'd like to play a little bit of chicken with Clark Schmidt, but if there are any Yankees fans in our room on Sunday, I might have to throw them out just to see the, just to see the fireworks, you know, just there you go. See what happens, but he'll be a guy that I'm, 
Yeah, and if he goes for a lot, then I could just pivot to other, you know, late pitching sleepers. So absolutely, he, he may be the one guy that I, I do kind of throw out early. Uh, let's pause briefly. I'll bring you a quick word from our friends at Underdog Fantasy. The fantasy baseball season is underway, and there's no better place to play than Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, Underdog has MLB Best Ball Tournaments live, including the Dinger, which has $500,000 in total prizes. In Best Ball, all you do is join a contest, draft your team, and that's it. There are no waivers, no trades, and no in-season management. Draft 20 rounds of players and get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup. Starting lineup consists of three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex each week of the regular season. Getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with the promo code RWMLB, and not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to 100 bucks, but you'll also get six months of our Rotowire subscription for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWMLB. Draft your $100,000 Dinger team today. And Chris and I are going to be talking a little bit later about Underdog specifically and some of the most head-scratching ADPs on under, Underdog. Of course, it is a different game, so the ADP does differ significantly from regular Roto 5x5 ADP, but we'll look at some of those and kind of discuss why they are where they are and why they are kind of uh, puzzling at first glance. Chris, Kodai Senga, right index finger tendonitis, but uh, he returned to action yesterday, struck out five over three innings against the Mets, or against the Nats, rather. Um, so Kodai Senga's trending back in the right direction. You know, they, they're expecting big things from him in Queens. Is he a guy you're going to be drafting, Kodai Senga? Yes, and I think that um... – He's one of the most volatile options, but I cannot ignore the potential reward for him for the reasons we talked about with Edwin Diaz. Like the Mets are going to provide a ton of win opportunities for this guy. And the stuff that I saw when I got to watch uh, some stuff and I luckily got to talk to some scouts in Japan as well. It's really good. And it is good enough to miss bats. It's good enough to initiate weak contact. Do I think that he may be a guy who gets some four or five inning starts, especially early on? Yeah, I, I do think that's something to be cognizant of, just especially for people who are, you know, the win category. That may not be a great thing if he's leaving games early, but he has the stuff to be uh, relevant in every pitching category. So absolutely somebody I'm targeting. I might want to have something as a backup. Like he's not going to be my SP one or my SP two, obviously, but he's somebody I definitely want to be on my typical nine person pitching staff with the caveat that I think that there could be some ups and downs early on, but there's no doubt about it that when that guy is at his best, he's going to give hitters fits and he will be a tough guy for hitters early on too, because Nobody really has a great look at this guy. So that's another thing that I'm always looking at for. It can be an advantage. It can be a disbenefit as well because, you know, hitters can be aggressive against those guys because they don't know really what to see. But I really like Kodai Senga as a, a, a mid to late round option as somebody who can really help fantasy teams. Nice. Really good stuff. And I, I'm kind of having a hard time figuring out where to slot him in amongst the the player pool because sure. obviously he's an unknown to, to us in the states for the most part, um, and he kind of has had a little bit of a up and down spring. I remember he had when he first threw his first bullpen session of the spring, they were kind of 
there were some quotes coming out of Mets camp that maybe the Mets were a little concerned about his about maybe a little bit of an adjustment period, adjusting to the, the higher slope of the mound and, and whatnot. But uh, then he came out in, in live BP and has looked great, and same with games. So it seems like that ghost forkball thing is going to be doing a lot of heavy lifting. Um, can you tell us real quick what, what the other pitches are for, for Senga? I forget. Sure, he's going to be throwing a fastball, obviously, yeah. and he's going to be offering – Kind of two different breaking balls, uh, one more of a, a cutter slider and then a more traditional curve, that fork ball. And then he's got kind of like a palm change as well. He can come at you with a bunch of different stuff. But really, it's that fork ball that's going to be that swing and miss pitch. And I don't know about you, Clay. The fork ball is like my favorite pitch to watch because it is it can make hitters look so stupid. <laughs> and yeah. That's what I love to see is that pitch that can make hitters feel so stupid. And. The nice thing is, too, is he can throw it for strikes or he can bury it down in the zone. And when you can locate it, it's it's much tougher to sit on something uh, when you know that it can be thrown for a strike or um, if it has that chance to look exactly like a fastball until that very last minute and fall down. So he's got a complete arsenal. I imagine that the Mets might be saying, hey, let's work on two to three pitches and then we can kind of work stuff in, uh, especially after some missed time. But he's going to have a plenty of arsenal to throw at hitters. It's just a matter of him commanding it and also making that adjustment to the baseball mostly. I mean, that is a huge thing. And he's kind of come out and said that that's one of the reasons why uh, the indexed finger tendonitis was bothering him was that making a, that adjustment to the new baseball. But based on what he's shown since coming back from that injury, doesn't look like that's going to be a very long adjustment. Something to keep an eye on, though, that the fact that the ball, is, I imagine it's probably like a little slicker or something, but and uh, smaller, yeah, yeah, smaller. The, yeah the, the 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 size the size of the baseball, especially with a fork ball, you know, the difference of holding it, you know, for those watching up here compared to down here, that that makes a big difference, and the seams as well, you know, that can unfortunately often lead to blister problems because you're not used to holding the baseball in a certain path, but. Uh, I think he is making that adjustment, but of course, something that you have to be worried about. Of course. So it's, you know, it's not just the ghost football that he has, but that will be the uh, primary swing and miss offering that he, that he uh, pushes up there to opposing hitters. So absolutely. Yeah, again, so to uh, Kodai Senga pitched yesterday and was impressive. Now we talked at the top of the show about the Edwin Diaz WBC injury really sucks but a couple other wbc notes real quick uh padres manager bob melvin expressed some concerns about you darvish's usage in the wbc so apparently darvish like pitched in relief at some point but he's just not getting the innings in the wbc to uh, satisfy melvin in the padres if you're on the clock right now in a draft chris does that give you a little pause if you have darvish queued up like maybe he's not really cut loose at the very start of the season to go six plus? Uh, it's a little bit worrying. I'd probably use it as a tiebreaker. If you were like, like I know that a bunch of drafts that I've done on our, our good buddy fan tracks, uh, they have you Darvish and Zach Gallen like listed next to each other. Probably taking Gallen now is that guy just because, and you know what? I might take Gallen anyway. I am such a yeah. huge fan of that guy and his stuff. Yeah. Wish that wish that he played it on a little better baseball team. He's somebody I really like for 2024 because I think the Diamondbacks are building something really special over there. But for 2023, I wish they gave him a little better win chances. 
but I'm still drafting over guys like Tristan McKenzie or Hunter Green or pitchers of that ilk just because he has such a great track record. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle early, and maybe I would consider if I draft you, Darvish, maybe you sit him and see how things look. I, I know that's risky to do for somebody you're probably taking in the fourth to sixth round. But I'm still overall fine with you, Darvish. It's just something like if if you were – Using it as a tiebreaker, I think that it's totally fine to be at least a little bit concerned about what's going on there. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's well put. It's it's just kind of a tiebreaker right now. It's not somebody, not something I'm really worried about. But uh, yeah, just something to keep in mind. Maybe he, yeah, I, it's kind of like blasphemy to think like maybe I'll bench my my fourth yeah. round pick in for week one. But I just don't know how deep he'll go i do think with a veteran like that he'll probably push to go like five yes but uh it'll be up to the skipper of course as it always yeah well let's take a real quick break we'll pause briefly and bring you a quick word from our blue wire sponsors we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, we are back on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Clay Link here with Chris Crawford today. Todd Zola, he's in New York as well. I don't know what he's doing, but he is busy, and I thought I'd uh, you know, spare him a show when he's got <laughs> the Tower Wars uh, show to run here. Now, Chris, you mentioned that you're in on drafting Kodai Senga. What about Masataka Yoshida? He hit his first home run of the WBC. Um I drafted him on my TGFBI team, or no, I drafted him on my uh, 
online championship team. And James Anderson was saying that was one of the, the picks that he didn't really like. Hmm. I'm kind of hoping that there is some some over-the-fence power, as he showed in the WBC. We'll see how it translates. And these guys are so hard to, you know, to gauge as far as what we can expect in the year one coming over. It's just such a transition, not only baseball-wise, but life-wise. You're in on Senga. Are you in on Masataki Yoshida of the Red Sox? To a lesser extent, but yes. I think that he's somebody I'm really looking at in on-base percentage leagues because he has such a good approach at the plate, and he's also somebody who has pretty minimal swing and miss. That is somebody that I think is going to hit for average. I think he's probably going to be a decent run option. Real questions about the power, and it's more about just the fact that I don't know if he's going to be able to drive the baseball the same way that he was in Japan. Like, and this was a guy who was, you know, at his top, he was hitting 29 homers as his career high. That's certainly, if you take 29 home runs from him this year, congratulations. I think he's more of that 15 to 20 guy. It's a very similar skill set, I think, to what we saw from Andrew Benintendi. And there's nothing wrong with Andrew Benintendi. I think Andrew Benintendi provides more real life value than Yoshida does. But certainly a guy that I'd want on my bench, especially, and see how things go. If you're drafting him as like a third starting outfielder or even a fourth starting outfielder, I think that's probably a mistake. I'm not sure he's a top 50 play this year, but I do think that there is just enough upside in that bat, and particularly in on-base percentage leagues, to suggest that he's worth that roster spot. There was some talk initially in camp that maybe he leads off for the Red Sox, but it looks like now he's – Probably slotted into that fifth spot. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that does sound about right. Yeah. And that's, that's, I'd much rather have him at that top spot because I do think that would be much better for that run category, even though like Boston's middle of the order is not, all due respect to Rafi Devers, it's not exactly murderer's row in my personal opinion. (laughs) But I would like to have him hitting at that top just because more at bats, more chances to get those run opportunities. But I really do have some question marks about how this power is going to translate. It is nice to see that he's driving the ball in the World Baseball Classic, and there's no doubt about his talent and his ability to make contact. How much of that is going to be hard contact is a real question mark. He'd be a guy I would like to see get uh, some at-bats at the end of spring training to see how this is going to translate as well. The Red Sox seem to think there's at least gap power in that bat, and mm-hmm. they like what he's he's shown so far in camp before he left for the WBC. So, right, um, I know that there was other teams around baseball that were perplexed to say the least about the amount of money the Red Sox gave Yoshida. But, yes, uh, the Red Sox believe, I guess. So, yeah, um, and look for what it's worth. And the Red Sox uh, have made some questionable decisions in the past few years, but their scouting eye is really good. There is a reason why they have been able to have, you know, do they have on and off years? You bet. It's it's kind of interesting to watch uh, just how many 71 win years turn into 93 wins the next year with the Boston Red Sox. But there's no doubt about their scouting eye. And if they like Yoshida, that's, that is something to at least put in the cap for him because they do they may have some questionable financial flexibility decisions looking at you, Marcus Lindbetts, but I am not doubting the fact that they know who is a good baseball player for sure. Well, I got to tell you, Chris, a guy that I wasn't really considering much, Joey Manessis, 
then he goes out and has that two homer game in the WBC. That doesn't really change much for me, but it has changed the market. Interesting. As I expect, Jeff Erickson. Sorry to cut you off, Chris. No, that's okay. I just uh, was going to say Jeff Erickson mentioned that after that two homer game in the WBC, it would affect the market. His price would rise and kind of looks like rolling my eyes, but he was right. I, I saw, I was checking out the ADP report at Rotowire and green arrow up on Joey Manessis. So even one game like that, high profile setting can change the market. Yeah. And you know, some of that is, <laughs> I, I try not to be somebody who is swayed by small samples, but look, let's look at what Joey Manessis did last year. It, it wasn't, it was only 240 plate appearances, but 324, 367, 563, 13 home runs. You know, a hard hit rate of 46.8 was barreling the baseball at a very strong level. Expected slugging percentage would have been well up there. Weighted on base average, expected weighted on base average, not quite as high at 330 compared to 395. This guy can hit. It was never a question mark with Joey Manessis of whether or not he had offensive ability. The reason he was kind of slept on was he was limited to first base, basically. And he just never showed that upside. But he's shown that upside in the World Baseball Classic. And he really showed it for a small, relatively small portion last year. Am I buying him as like a top 100 player next year? I can't go that high. But I do think he's somebody who is absolutely should be on rosters because He's going to hit in the middle of the a dreadful uh, Washington Nationals lineup, but he's going to hit in the middle of that. And he has shown the ability to drive the baseball and to hit for average. It, it's time to take it seriously. I understand the, the, the hesitancy of somebody who has that small of sample and we're talking about the World Baseball Classic, uh, but we talk about the stuff with spring training as well. So, But it's more about what he did in 2022 is the reason I'm targeting Manessas in the middle of drafts more than the fact that he's been playing very well for team Mexico. Yeah. Even though I'm conscious of the, of this, I still have a, have trouble kind of battling it. I have a tendency to put some of these guys into their little boxes to help myself make sense of these guys. And sure. I think I just kind of have a, I've been putting Manessas in that box with other late bloomers, you know, like the guys who you've seen so many of them come in and fizzle quickly even like luke voigt who had a sure. longer longer window than most but you know the patrick wisdoms and who was the other cub a few years ago i'm forgetting his name but um yeah the, i guess i'm just kind of putting him in that box when he he's his own player it's it's not like a paintbrush that gets applied universally to these late bloomers it doesn't necessarily mean anything for his future um, no crawled through the minor leagues for 10 years maybe Maybe he has what it takes to stick around and uh, bad team context, though. That's one thing that kind of hurts. But, you know, you can still extract value from from poor teams. Yeah, for sure. And, like, I was just looking at the other day about, like, his ability last year. He can hit everything. Like, his expected slugging percentage, or excuse me, his slugging percentage on fastballs was 534. Off breaking pitches, it was 609, and off off speed pitches, so basically changeups, it was 594. So he was driving the baseball against everything that he's seen, and that's super impressive for his first real chance at major league action. 
some uh the expected numbers are don't exactly back up that he is a elite hitter but we don't need him to be a 930 OPS guy to be fantasy relevant mm-hmm. we just need him to be in that 815 to 820 range above average and he's going to need that cuz he's not going to give you any stolen bases so but and the RBI chances again for a double A baseball team outside of <laughs> a few guys mm-hmm. is are going to be limited but I do think he can be a three-category player, and that certainly makes him worth drafting. And also should be eligible at first base and outfield, which is not a bad thing to have at all. Yeah, that's actually really underrated first base outfield. That's yeah, because then that actually makes them eligible for you know, well, I guess technically four spots on your roster because then corner and you corner, yeah, yeah, so <clears throat> great call. That's um, yeah, maybe you know I haven't really bumped him up my rankings, but. Manessis, maybe I'll have to give him more, more credit than I've been giving him lately. Well, Chris, let's transition a little bit and talk about underdog fantasy. Todd and I have been doing this on Fridays. Quick little 10-minute segment, so they'll, we'll wrap this up in, in about 10 minutes on the dot. But I thought our topic today would be the most head-scratching ADPs on underdog, the most puzzling Again, it is a different game, so we'll kind of explain why these uh, these ADPs are the way they are, but also uh, give our thoughts on on maybe why they're they're a little off, even with the uh, scoring settings and, and roster settings here. My number one is Paul Goldschmidt, and look, I love Goldie. He won the MVP last year, but his ADP on underdog is sixteen point seven, ahead of guys like Manny Machado, Austin Riley, and while I love Goldie, it feels like that's that's uh, 17.6 that feels like chasing a little bit to me so i, I don't like goldie at, at 17.6 that one uh higher than his normal adp and you know when he gets lumped in with guys like machado and riley in the corner uh, or in the infield on underdog it just doesn't make sense for me to be uh taking him over those guys who's your first most head scratching adp on underdog I'm going to go with somebody who I think is being underdrafted in the league, and it's Bobby Witt Jr. And I do understand that because of different rules that he's maybe more valuable in a standard 5 by 5 league, but I'm a big believer in Witt's talent. And I'm looking, the last time I looked, his underdog draft precision was 32.2. That's way too low. I, there, I, I'm taking Bobby Witt over... Paul Goldschmidt in any type of best ball format or any type mm. of format. I am such a big believer in his talent. I think he's going to be a guy who hits much more for much more power. I think he's going to steal a ton of bases. You know, there is the risk of getting caught there as well, but I am a big believer in Bobby Witt. And by the way, I totally agree with you on Paul Goldschmidt. That is far too high. And I love the player, but that is mm. more of a second round talent than a guy that I think should be, going that high but yeah i'm all in on bobby wood jr that's interesting because usually with underdog and other points formats I'm, I'm out on the speedsters but okay um wit may have enough in that bat to to kind of you know compensate because with a lot of times even though you get points for steals and in, in my experience those points aren't enough to make up the difference of just the pure hitting ability in large Fair. part but of course bobby wood can can swing it like a stud too right uh, my, and that's yeah. oh i'm sorry oh, no, that's, go ahead. i just wanted to say that's why i'm like in nfbc leagues he's often going as a a first round player that's why he i certainly wouldn't have him that high but 32 like over uh some of these other guys it just 
it doesn't add up for me. I, I really would be targeting him in that 15 to 20 range if I was playing in best ball. Sorry to interrupt. Not at all. Uh, next up for me, a couple outfielders. Now, if you've played on underdog, you know there's a mad dash for outfielders because they dry up so quickly. And when you have all the infielders lumped together, you know, you can find some pretty good infielders late, but that's not so much the case for uh, for outfielders. But even so, I think 31.7 ADP on Cedric Mullins is too high. Just yeah. That feels like getting caught up in the mad rush for outfielders too much and uh, not really seeing seeing the field clearly. So that one feels like uh, just getting caught up in the in the outfielder madness too much. So uh, I'll pass on him. And Corbin Carroll, too. I love, love him in Roto, but at 43.2, yeah, another one where I feel like you're you're chasing the outfield a little too much, and I get that you have to fill those spots, but I think you can comp- compile your team better by either drafting some outfielders earlier and not getting caught with Corbin at forty three, or you know attacking the uh, middle tier a little better. I, I just think Corbin Carroll should fall closer to that middle tier than than the top tier. Yeah, it's weird to see that he's only 11 spots below Bobby Witt Jr., by the way. <laughs> Again, I hate to keep hammering that home. I am a big believer in Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, a pitcher that I think is going too low is Zach Wheeler. Uh, average draft spot of 57. I love Wheeler. I think the Phillies are going to be, yeah, I do know the Bryce Harper injury is going to hurt them, but I do think that that team is loaded. And the the NL East is a tough division for all the reasons that we talked about earlier, but Wheeler has swing and miss stuff. He has a quality defense actually finally behind him. I think it's not great. Uh, Sorry, Keith Hernandez. It's still not great, but it is better. And I just think that this is a guy who's going below arms like Framber Valdez and Christian Javier. That's too much chasing the win for me. I would have him closer into that top 10 spot for starting pitchers on underdog. And he's not going in that range. And I think take advantage of that because if he is falling outside of that range, he could be a massive steal for best ball leagues. I like that one. I considered Wheeler for my list as well, but didn't quite make the cut, but glad he made the, made the show in this segment uh, one way or another. I got Zach Gallon, and you mentioned Gallon earlier in the show, ADP on underdog 74. Feels like people just, you know, rushing for outfielders, rushing to fill, some infield spots as the, as the infielders fall as a result of the outfielders getting pushed up. And then Gallon falls in this kind of dead zone at 74 where, I mean, it just seems like a screaming value to me. So I love grabbing Gallon. If you could pop him maybe six to eight picks earlier than this, I, I would love to get him on pretty much every team if I can, as long as this ADP holds up at 74. Yeah, I like that call. And one of the arms that's going ahead of him that I definitely think is being overdrafted, at least in underdog, Robbie Ray. And I hate to say that as a Seattle Mariner fan, 65.4 and going ahead of arms like Freed and Gallon and Tristan McKenzie and Hunter Green. I can't do that. And I do think Seattle will give him some win chances. I have some concerns about whether or not he's going to be the command guy, the, the 2021 version of Robbie Ray is not happening again. He was good in 2022, and I think he will have win chances for, sure hoping for my grandma, a ton of win chances for the Seattle Mariners. But ahead of guys like Julio Urias, Max Freed, Zach Gallen, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that's a good one. He's, you know, it was funny. He had that great 2021. I expected so much regression with the control. 
Yeah. The walk, the walk rate held pretty steady with the home run sure. still an issue. But yes, if he gives a little bit back on the, the walk side and then you add the homers, it could get uh, kind of ugly for him. One guy I'm fading at ADP on underdog, Logan Webb at 100.1. Just a bad team, I think. I look at that team, and it looks pretty nasty, honestly. And, um, you know, I want want that upside. I like Logan Webb's skills, but at 100.1, I just feel like I'd rather have a guy with more upside. I guess that's not, like, super early, but I'm kind of worried about that team and and the blow-up potential of the Giants this year. The win chances could be lacking. I do think that the Giants, this is such a great year for the balance schedule that they're not going to have to play the Padres and the Dodgers as Mm. often as they normally would. I think that could help him, but I don't see a ton of upside there. Certainly somebody I like more in a a five by five than somebody who's going to be like winning me leagues in a best ball format. Uh, This one hurts me a little bit. Uh, Brian Reynolds is going too high. It's it's as somebody who I really like, and I hate saying it because I beat this drum for a very long time as a prospect guy that uh, he was well underdrafted out of Vanderbilt. But as the twentieth outfielder off the board, and a twentieth outfielder off the board and underdog just doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense for me. I would rather be targeting guys like. You know, Anthony Santander is a, a guy who I thought was going to be underdrafted. I I want as much as I can have of that guy right now, just based on the fact that he has been absolutely crushing the ball and has excellent metrics. You know, Giancarlo Stanton, Stephen Kwan, these are all guys that I'm probably taking over Reynolds because the Pirates stink. If he's traded, I will go ahead and say this was a terrible take. But a guy who's going 35th overall, just a couple spots again, below <laughs> Bobby Witt Jr., mm. I think that's just too high. I'm with you. I've I've come to the point where I haven't had an outfielder yet and I've considered him. And I just thought, no, I can't do that. And I can't square that sure. you know, that need for an outfielder with the skills at that range. Uh, my last few here, Tommy Edmond, ADP 112.4. Just need more upside. And plus he gets, again, lumped in with – with infield, you only need three, and I just don't think he's going to clear the bar to make it into your starting lineup more than, I don't know, six to eight weeks of the season. Then Drew right. Rasmussen. Drew Rasmussen, ADP 173, way too low. Go, go, go get you some Drew Rasmussen in your life, folks. Yeah. Yeah, Drew Rasmussen's a great call. In our over the weekends, we've been doing these category previews, and we've had Rasmussen as a sleeper for ERA and WHIP. All about that guy for sure. Um, just closing out for me real mm. quick, uh, a couple of pitchers that I am really reticent about drafting high. Logan Gilbert, again, I hate doing another Seattle Mariner, but gave up so much hard contact last year and the limited shift. Could he be a guy who takes that next step forward in his second full professional season? I do think so, but there is a lot of risk that comes with that reward. And then Kyle Wright. Shoulders, man. <laughs> I know he's yeah. looked really good at the at towards the end of the season, but Kyle Wright is somebody that if you're doing a tiebreaker type thing, you should be really looking at that shoulder thing because even though he's saying all the right things and they're talking about him being just fine, take it with a lot of salt because there is an awful lot of risk that comes with shoulder injuries. Very true. Well, awesome stuff. That'll do it for underdog best ball segment. Thanks for Filling in on that this week, uh, Chris. Really appreciate that. And I'm with you on on Kyle Wright. I 
I was talking with James Anderson about him, and I thought, well, now that he's trending back up health-wise, maybe his ADP will rise. But James made a good point that, you know, ADP kind of gets set right after the season, and he was one of yeah. the, you know, the only 20-game winner in the majors last year. So, you know, ADP kind of this self-manifesting thing where it kind of eats itself. And, <laughs> yes. Um, maybe that's not the case. Maybe he should just be steadily dropping. Yeah, as people do more research and really look into the kind of player he is. Great year last year. He'll he'll always sure. have that as a moment in time. But yeah, for sure. Uh, when we're projecting, it's hard to project that level of performance. All right, real quick, one last read, and then we'll we'll wrap things up on the show today. Fan Tracks, the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. If you're coming from another another service. Fantrax makes it easy. If you're sick of your commission service, and uh, I, I hear you if you are, you can carry over to Fantrax. They make it super easy to import your leagues. If you do some sort of wacky scoring system or, you know, six by six, four by four, they can make it uh, so that your league is, is all set up in a, in a flash. You can import your current leagues and customize as needed. Fantrax offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry, which I love. I'm always getting emails about players being added to the uh, minor league pool. And do you need a customizable service? Well, Fantrax is the one to, to go to. Waivers, categories, scoring system, schedule. Fantrax offers custom solutions for all that and more. It's all free. And also, if you're a Vlad Jr. mark like myself, you can sign up for free and be entered to win a an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X dot com slash Rotowire Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. So a few other things, Chris. Um, Joe Musgrove may only miss one to two starts. He's got that toe issue. May start as soon as like April 6th. You bumping him back up to where he was before he dropped that weight on his toe? Maybe not all the way up, but pretty darn close. Like this guy was really good last year and Again, you've got to talk about the team that he's playing for. I think the Padres are going to be very, very good. I mean, he was basically in the red in everything but fastball velocity and extension last year. I don't know if he's going to quite repeat his performance last year, especially with the fact that he, you know, is not an elite swing and miss guy. But I think he's got a quality team behind him. He puts the ball in play, but it's weak contact stuff. He shouldn't be a guy who's too affected by the shift. Yeah, I think just Joe Musgrove absolutely deserves to be, if he's not quite where he was drafted prior to the injury, at least in that range. I'm with you 100%. I think if this continues to offer a little bit of a, a discount, I think you, you scoop him up. Grab, sure. grab Joe Musgrove because, yeah, this, you know, it was a toe. It's not like it was an arm or an oblique or anything. Right. And uh, making a quick recovery. So if, if my room, my draft room is a little hesitant on Joe Musgrove, uh, I'll certainly, I'll certainly dabble. I'm kind of hoping the room's a little hesitant in, in the uh, Tower Wars head-to-head because, nice. again, the pitching is it's, it's so valuable in that you get sure. point for every out recorded. So, um, massive. Yeah, that's of course know your know your system. Uh, James used to make fun of me because I would always say know your rules. You know, it's, it's <laughs> fantasy 101 stuff. I get that it's really basic stuff, but some Amen. people still just don't. You know, going from Roto to another format, they just don't really account for the, the changes in format as much as they should, I've, I've found. 
Um, nobody reads the opening. Uh, nobody reads the opening paragraph, and nobody reads their new league's rules. <laughs> exactly, man. So that's just one little small, like you know, inefficiency I've found among players. Is um, for sure. You know, if they're not playing five by five roto, they don't always have a tendency to, uh, you know, really dive deep into the rules and the nuances of their their formats. Uh, C.J. Abrams, Chris, dealing with back tightness. Now, aside from Joey Manessis, he's about the only Nat I have any interest in. But now that he's got this back tightness, you know, he was kind of like a a middle guy, a guy that I was kind of reticent to take, but I would take him if I needed, like, one more speed guy. But does this worry you now that, now that C.J. Abrams has a lingering back thing? Yeah, if only because the main reason that I'd be targeting Abrams is for stolen bases. And with the Nationals playing for nothing, are you really going to risk having one of your most important young players run a whole heck of a lot, especially early on? Probably not, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's no doubt about this guy's talent. I think actually what he did last year, and the numbers weren't great, a 604 OPS, was actually pretty impressive considering how much time he had missed in 2021 and how little experience he had above double A. Like those are actually pretty solid numbers for someone that young with that little of an experience. But this is very much a long-term play more than somebody that I think you should be targeting in 2023. An IL stash, if that sort of situation happens, I can see that being a decent play. But the fact that he doesn't hit for elite power and the fact that he's going to be, I think even if he is playing a lot, probably hitting at the bottom of a very bad order, or even if he is that leadoff hitter for them, there's just not going to be enough run opportunities and to deal with the fact that he's going to have the volatility of being a second-year player, a young second-year player. And again, the fact that he's dealing with this back issue and the main reason to target him is his chance for stolen bases. All of that basically, long story short, probably a no on C.J. Abrams. Yeah, he's still able to go through hitting and fielding drills right now despite the back, but mm-hmm. yeah, just something to keep an eye on. And you make a good point that yeah, this guy is such a big part of their rebuild. He was the yes. centerpiece of the return for Soto. And you know, any sort of thing in a non-competitive year, they could you know shut it shut him down or absolutely or just take it really slow with his recovery. So I'm with you. I took him in the in one league Abrams, but I'm probably gonna be going elsewhere in that range uh, yeah. for us to come. Now, it wouldn't be a spring podcast without a Jordan Walker mention. <laughs> uh, Chris, he only missed one game. So he had he was out, I think, last week, Saturdays, when he, he injured himself. Then he sat Sunday. Then he used Monday off day and came back Tuesday. So quite a bit of a scare initially with that shoulder, but only one missed game. Where are you right now on the the Jordan Walker hype train? I mean, like I'm driving that thing, baby. <laughs> it is. That's what I love to hear. Yeah, his offensive upside is so good. It competes with, like, this is a special group of rookie prospects. Like Gunnar Henderson's going to be an awesome fantasy option. I think Corbin Carroll's got a chance to be an awesome fantasy option. The fact that Jordan Walker might be the third best rookie of the people we're drafting is insane because. Mm-hmm. This guy has plus plus power. He has the ability to hit for average. His plate recognition skills are so underrated. He is a good athlete who I think can give you. I talked about this yesterday with RJ Anderson of CBS Sports on our podcast. 
you know, does he have elite speed? No, but does he have enough speed to be a guy who could be a 15 to 20 stolen base guy? I think so. And I think the Cardinals might run a little bit more as well. My only issue is just going to be whether or not a team that has some outfield options is really going to have him on the major league roster to start the year. Should they? Yes. And I'm sorry for all the uh, asking myself questions on this podcast. I just noticed I've done it like 20 times. But yeah, he should be on the roster. It's far from a lock. And that's the reason why you have to bump him down at least a little bit. But I'd rather have him on my bench. I can't imagine that there would be guys on your bench that have that kind of offensive upside. Go get Jordan Walker right now. I'm really excited too. I love the... Obviously, he's like a physical specimen, huge yeah. guy. And that power is just Oof. unreal. And so yeah. I do worry a little bit about the swing and miss and the hit tool at this stage at 20 years old. But yeah, sure. Um, I'd love to just, I mean, he's a guy who could swing leagues and maybe not to the extent that, you know, Julio Rodriguez did last year, but he could really right. be, really be huge. And I know that you know, we should put the caveat that he's not Julio Rodriguez, but. No, kind of finding that similar path this year as a guy who came into camp with nobody really expecting him to have a chance to, to make the team. And he's really, uh, really making a strong case, but apparently the skipper, there's Oli Marmol has been happy with, with what he's seen from Tyler O'Neill in the WBC. So there is still a lot of competition there. We'll see how it, it works out. Is Dylan Carlson still a guy at all for you? No. Uh, and, uh, maybe in like a, a deep keeper format, just because I think that he's a guy who's probably going to have to change organizations to uh, tap into what he once was. Talent's pretty good, but the fact that he hasn't hit for power at all and just hasn't shown any consistency, there's too many guys that you can get like Dylan Carlson that uh, it would be if he ends up being the player that he showed he might have been in 2020. I'm not going to kick myself too hard over it. There are just too many options like him, but in a dynasty league, maybe worth keeping around to see if he finally does step into that potential. Well, I'm glad to hear you're driving the Jordan Walker train because <laughs> everybody else I talked to at Rotowire seems to be throwing cold water on. Him. Oh, come it's on, guys. James. But, oh, uh, they're, they're too poopers. realistic. They're too yeah. realistic again. Realism like isn't fun. We're, we're literally playing fantasy baseball. Let's, <laughs> let's dream, baby. Exactly. I, I yeah. get that it's harder to be yeah. realistic than it is to, to dream. Yes. And I need to, uh, you know, probably take a page out of that book and be more realistic with my initial expectations with these guys. But Walker's just so fun to dream on. Yeah. Uh, one last yeah. thing. We had a we had a question in the chat. Uh, well, first he said great content and insight, so we appreciate that. Then four keepers. I think this one looks kind of easy at first glance. Four keepers. Who should he keep? O'Neill Cruz, Gunnar Henderson, Byron Buxton, Luis Robert, uh, Robert, I guess it, it is, uh, Aaron Judge, and Kyle Schwarber. For me, it's Judge, O'Neill Cruz, Gunnar Henderson, and probably Schwarber. I don't know. Luis Robert, I'm kind of souring on just giving all the missed time, and same with Buxton. Yeah. But what do you think about that one? Uh, I think that it probably a little bit depends on the format, um, hmm. but uh... – Henderson and Judge is the obvious answers for me there. Mm. I'm probably keeping Cruz and Robert, and it's because it's nothing against Kyle Schwarber. I do have some questions about how that skill set is going to age. The fact that he can DH, I think, will help him quite a bit. 
I just think that there's a little bit um, more upside in Robert. And I don't want to call him injury prone just yet. It's worth pointing out he played a full season in 2020. Um, it's not his fault that, unfortunately, the world fell apart and there was a pandemic that prevented him from playing in more games. And O'Neal cool. Cruz, man, that offensive he, – the ball just jumps off that guy's bat. I realize – that that swing and miss is so unsustainable in, in a couple of ways. It's unsustainable in that nobody can swing that much and miss that much. And if he does, it doesn't matter how much hard contact you make. You are not going to be a very good baseball player. And the fact that, you know, I don't think Cruz, as fun as it is to watch a power forward playing shortstop, I'm not sure if he's long for the position. I can see a move to the outfield happening or to third base. And I think that although a move to third base isn't so bad, third base position, I don't know if you noticed it, Clay, is not a whole heck of a lot of fun no. to draft anymore. So yeah. maybe a move to third base would be a good thing. But the move to the outfield would obviously limit his fantasy stuff. But the I, I think I would go Judge Henderson Cruz and Roberts, all due respect to Byron Buxton, who I just love to death, and Kyle Schwarber, who just hits dingers. Yeah, no, I get where you're coming from. I, Robert is just kind of getting to that point, not to Mondesi levels, but he's getting to Buxton levels. Yeah. You're right that he did essentially play a full season in 2020 in the shortened season, but yeah, uh, under 100 the past two years. That's right. Games played. Well, great stuff, Chris. I owe you one, man, for filling no. in on the show today. Really appreciate it. Great stuff. Anything else on your mind today as we uh, sign off? No, just, uh, you know, have fun, especially you. You've got a bunch of fun stuff. Like this is uh, as, as much as I love the regular season and as much as I love, you know, postseason and stuff like that. Draft time is like as a guy who's covered the MLB draft for a very long time, any type of draft, I'm always going to be interested in it. And, uh, have fun. Fantasy baseball can bring us all together, and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to just walking around New York, like a bit of a fish out of a water here in New York. But uh, yeah, it's fun, man. It's got this weird energy in the air. I might have to go to the garden for the first time. I've walked hey. by it, but I've never actually been inside the garden. Same. I have never been uh, inside it as well. I've been at the train station next to it many a time, yeah. but I have not actually been inside the garden. That'd be fun. Yeah, I think the uh, Nuggets play the, the Knicks tomorrow, so maybe I'll go to Ooh, that. there well, you go. Thanks so much, Chris. We are sponsored by Fantrax and Underdog. Please support them, and we hope you'll join us next week on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com